0: and putting out some things the other day that he did not intend to vote in the upcoming election because he didn't like anything that was going on. And and I was trying to encourage him saying, you know what? You need to just say, God, who will listen to me? And right now he's just all closed off on that. He doesn't want to deal with anybody. He's just fed up with everything. And it's important for us as believers to be praying for everyone that's involved right now. No, no matter whether you like them or not, you know, I've always found in Scripture, it doesn't ever say, only pray for the people you like. <laughs> if any the one, if anything, sometimes the folks that we have the greatest offense with in the natural, those are the people we've got to let go of the offense and be able to pray for each other. Because remember, you as men and women of God, your prayer is what changes things and changes situations. If believers aren't praying, how is anything going to happen? So keep praying, keep believing. You may not be able to watch any of the convention. I haven't. Uh, You know, I see news clips and snippets out there or things that are up on social media. And I look at all that and just say, okay, hallelujah, God bless him. Thank you that he chose a a strong, spirit-filled Christian for his vice president. But you know what? I pray for Hillary also each day because in the end, one of them is going to be president unless the Lord supernaturally raises up somebody else. And, you know, that can happen, too. So our country has a wonderful history of praying through. And just because things look a little difficult right now, don't think that we're not going to make it. Don't hold on to the doomsday people. Oh, America's going to fall apart. Everything's going to go down. Well, you know, from everything I read in history about the Civil War, things were pretty bad then. And uh, we, we aren't raising guns against each other right now, per se, as a nation. Uh, we just need to pray and stand in faith. Aren't you glad for the prayer of faith? Hallelujah. We're going to look at that tonight as we start out continuing talking about healing. And in Mark chapter 11, this is a scripture that I remember reading. And I've mentioned this before when I was in Bible college, but didn't get the full understanding of it till I was out. And saw what was there, and it was almost like, God, do you really mean what this says? <laughs> now, believe me, I know that the Word of God is the Word of God. It is faultless. You can believe it and trust in it. The Bible is His Word. But when you look at it, it's almost like saying, This is too good to be true. If this is real, it could change everything. Well, the good news is, it is real. So take a look with me, if you would, starting at verse 22 in chapter 11 of Mark. I'm reading out of the New King James here, and it says, So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. And one of the first times I heard it and looked at it even in another translation, and I heard uh, Kenneth Hagin, when he was still alive, speak about this, he said, Have the God kind of faith. Now think about that. God spoke into nothingness in the book of Genesis, and he spoke out into nothingness and created everything we have. Uh, I, I know Bill and Barb on their vacation went down to the Creation Science Museum down in Kentucky, and we've used some of the videos that Ken Ham and others have put together talking about creation, that Genesis really means what it means. And I saw an article the other day that uh, some of you remember it. Maybe you or your kids watched this on a Saturday morning. There was Bill Nye, the science guy. And he'd have a few-minute clip that was out there about something scientific to be able to teach kids. Well, he's completely against anything about creation. He believes completely in evolution. And he's debated Ken Ham different times, and, and uh, uh, he, he's so closed off, he will not receive any idea of what creation or what faith in God is all about. So when the grand opening happened, they, they built this life-size version of the, of the ark, Noah's ark. And it's now open down there, and people are going through. And so Bill Nye, the science guy, went down there. And so there were TV cameras and everything all around. And it was so interesting because he doesn't believe in the flood that covered the entire earth. He doesn't believe in any of that. And so as he's standing there, and Ken Ham is there, the founder of this uh, scientific Christian organization, and people, there was crowds around him. And Bill Nye, the science guy, made this statement. He said, I don't believe in the flood of Noah that you talk about, but he said, I do know this from what we're finding out with the Land Rover that is up on Mars right now, that we're seeing that some of the samples and things that are coming back tell us that there has to be some connection between Mars and Earth. So billions of years back that there is looking like there's scientific evidence that Mars collided with Earth, and so the life that came about here was probably something that was left from Mars, so truly life here on this earth would make us think that we're descendants of the Martians. Everybody in the crowd started laughing at that point. And and Ken Ham looked at him and he said, There is no life on Mars. Where's the scientific proof of that? Well, once we send people up to Mars, I'm sure we'll find that some of the dust and things that are there is from the Earth, and that collision happened and moved them out into space at a different orbit, so the life stopped because it wasn't the perfect distance that Earth is to sustain life. And Ken Ham says to him, but where's the evidence? Well, we don't have it, but scientifically, it makes more sense than the idea of somehow something just beginning upon the earth. There was an extraordinary event that happened with Mars. And and Ken Ham looked at him and said, there was an extraordinary event. God said, let there be, and it happened. And, you know, all the people in the crowd were cheering, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and usually, you know, it's the other way around. <laughs> There's more unbelievers than there are believers. And it was just amazing to think this man is so in his mind against the thought of a supreme being, a God who is more than enough, that he can't handle the idea that God had a plan. Now, the good news is none of you came from some amoeba that crawled out of a slime pit someplace and grew legs and a tail, and one day the tail fell off, and then everybody started walking upright. You were created with a God plan. Can I get an amen? Keep that in mind. Now think about the faith of God, and think what he just says here. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God, or have the God kind of faith. You were created in God's image and likeness. So that ability to trust the lord is in you when you're a born-again believer when you're a christian your faith has come alive and because of that faith you now have the possibilities to look at impossibilities and confess with your mouth believe in your heart and see the hand of god move you are not defenseless so it continues on here jesus is talking and he says for assuredly i say to you Whoever says to this mountain, now the good news is all of us in this room are whoever's. I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Now, in my Bible, I've got it underlined there when it says, he will have whatever he says. But we can't stop just there because it's not just about speaking something. But in verse 24, it says, therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. There's part of the key for it for us. Believe that you receive them, not that you're going to receive them, but believe that you receive them. Make them yours right now, and you will have them. See, faith takes possession of something before it's even yours. Uh, Have you ever bought a new car, and the paperwork all has to still go through, or the bank you're using, this type of thing, and the dealer hands you the keys and says, go ahead and drive it home. I'm sure it'll all go through tomorrow morning. Right at that moment, he gives you that car, even though the last part of the paperwork isn't done. Now, that's human faith that's there. We have the paperwork. It is the Bible, the living word of God. Hallelujah. It was completed. It was done on the cross. So we have the finished work of Christ on the cross. That is so important. Now, sometimes you'll run into people who don't believe that Jesus actually died on the cross and rose again. Sometimes you'll run into folks and say, you know, that's a really good story, but nobody's ever risen from the dead. When you die, that's all there is. Well, we know the hope, we know the plan of God that says to every one of us to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So when we leave this earth, we're going to stand before our God. And as you stand before him, you see, your name as a believer has been written in the Lamb's Book of Life. So because of that, you know, people make jokes and stories about St. Peter being at the pearly gates. People make jokes about him standing there looking to decide who gets in and who doesn't. Well, forget about all those jokes just for a minute and know this, that when you get born again... Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Now, we have a God who is absolutely amazing. And I don't know if he will be standing there waiting for you when you come in or when you come to heaven, you immediately go into the throne room. I I don't know that side of the detail. I don't know if Peter will be standing there with a book saying, what's your last name? Uh, All I know is this. God knows me and he knows you. And he doesn't forget anybody who is his own. It it would be like any of you. You wouldn't forget who your children are. You know your kids, and God knows you. So this amazing scripture speaks to us and says, this is talking about the prayer of faith. Your confession will rule you. There are so many people out there that they speak things of doubt and fear all the time, and they don't realize that the more that they're speaking that, they convince themselves of the doubt and fear. Before you know it, they're out there, you know, this is never going to happen. The odds of that happening is never going to take place. Uh, this is why I have great faith in the plan of God for our nation. Because you see, I know you're praying. I know I'm praying. I know that millions of people across this country are praying for America. We are standing in the gap praying for this country, just like we pray over missionaries and others that are out there. When you think about what we prayed Sunday for the missionaries that are over in Turkey, there's a great deal more danger in the natural over in Turkey than there is right here in America. Years ago when we did an event uh, with the Tri-City Jewish Center, they had brought some people in, and there was one of the girls who was uh, with her family, and she was here, she was younger, And I don't remember which one of your daughters she hung out with, Pastor Jeff, but I don't know if it was Carrie or one of the others, but they went to the mall. And I remember your family telling me afterwards that as the girls went to the mall and they were walking around, the girl from Israel looked at one of your daughters and said, so where are all the guards? And... Your daughter said, what are you talking about? She said, well, in Israel, when we go to the mall, we always have guards that are walking around with machine guns to protect us because we know we're always under attack from the Palestinian army. And at first, the girl was nervous because she was in a big open place that didn't have anybody with machine guns. Was it Sweet Pea? You're right, it was. Uh, uh, the girls were just walking around the things we take as normal here in america that was not normal for that girl from israel now i want you to know this nation has been dedicated to god and it may be under attack but we're not surrendering We're speaking to that mountain of unbelief. We're speaking to that humanism that's out there. We're speaking to all those things, just like the word said here, and we're holding on to our confession. Be careful that you don't join in with all the naysayers out there. You, You may not like who's running for office, but I'm telling you, we have a God who can touch people's hearts, and it speaks to us, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, then I will heal their land. Another verse says that God holds the king's heart in his hands. Now, if that's there in the word, and we have the opportunity to pray for people, we cannot force somebody to get born again. We can't do that. It's a place of free will that you choose to accept what God has given. But we can pray for the circumstances around their life to be changed so they have every opportunity to get saved. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank God for that opportunity. And now, again, people can reject it. They can walk away. But God can still do something in spite of even that leader's decision. If we as believers will pray, God can still move. So I want you to think about your confession. Even when that comes to sickness, instead of telling everybody that you've been diagnosed with this and there's no hope, it's incurable, and you don't have any hope, you're preparing to die. Now, I know sometimes when people get bad reports like this, they get nervous, they call the lawyer, I need to make up a will. Let me tell you something, get your will in order while you feel good talk to your family about it. Do you want to be an organ donor? Do you want to do this? Do you want that? Don't wait till you feel really lousy and say, you know what, Um, which funeral home are we going to use? How are we going to do this? Because you know what, when you have to spend all your time talking about death, it in the natural can pull you down. It can make you think there is no hope. So prepare for those things. Yeah, but I don't want to talk about it now. I know, one of the times we were putting together, one year I was a chairman for the uh, Silvus Moonlight Parade and we had a meeting one afternoon because it was raining before the parade. And so we were all downtown, we needed a big space. So you know where we went? Schroeder's Mortuary. They had a big room with a big table. One of the guys who was in charge of the car show, he said, I'm not going in there. I said, why? He says, there are dead people in there. I said, well, they're not just laying out on the table, but there's dead people there. I've never gone to a funeral. don't want to go to a funeral because dead people are there, and that's part of the opening of the door to the gate of hell, and I don't want to go. Now, he believed that. Now, the good news was there was no bodies that were in there. But if there are bodies that are in there, they're not just laying around on the table in the lobby. They're back in a separate area in the prep room that they're not out for people to see. This guy would not come in. Now, we went in, had our meeting, got everything planned. The rain cleared up. We had a good parade, good fireworks, everything else. But I remember that, and I'm thinking, what has been told to this man that he's scared to go into a funeral parlor? When somebody dies, their fate is already sealed. (laughs) You're either going up or you're going down. You are either born again or you're not. You don't get a second chance. And you can't pay a preacher to get you into heaven. So how do we look at this? Your confession will rule you. We're never going to get ahead. I don't have the right education. I can't get a good job. I'm never going to make enough money. I will never get ahead. I will never have this promotion. Change your confession well, I didn't graduate high school. I don't have a GED. I can't do this. I can't do that. Hold on a minute. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Hallelujah. Just because you get a bad report doesn't mean you just accept that and think there's nothing I can do. But this is the message of the prayer of faith, your confession. You will never rise above your confession. So in other words, don't set your standards so low Start believing for more. Start trusting God for more. If your toe is hurting you, start to pray over it. Don't wait till they say we found cancer. Oh, now they found cancer. I better find one of those healing scriptures. If you need to take some aspirin, take it, but use the prayer of faith. Lord, I thank you that you're my healer. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So this medicine was made on the earth, not on Mars, where they say we came from. It was made here, so because of that, I know my body was made from what was here. You took and formed us out of the dirt. So in other words, everything that's here is going to help me. Hallelujah. I'm a walking dirt ball, maybe, but the truth is when I'm a born-again believer, I'm a saved one. Praise the Lord. You always wondered why little boys are always so dirty. They're just trying to go back and find out where they came from. No, that's false doctrine. (laughs) The truth is that for every one of us, it builds your faith. God's not against medicine. Medicine isn't going to be the enemy here. Medicine can't heal you. Medicine holds the symptoms back so that your gut, your body will start to heal. God made you that way so that if you get a cut or if you get a bruise, immediately it starts to clot up and that cut will begin to heal or the bruise begins to turn some color because it's going to start healing and bringing life back in there. God wants you well. So knowing that, then we have to figure out how am I going to speak my confession? I'm going to confess and I'm going to speak what I'm believing for. I don't have to speak the problem because it's already here. This pulpit is here tonight. We don't have to use our faith to get one but it's here. You can see it. It's already manifest. So has sickness at times. It manifests in our body or around us to attack us. So what do we do? We begin to speak in faith. Faith speaks what we can't see in the natural. Faith speaks about the healing process and the blessing that comes. Speak what you believe. Do not doubt in your heart. Now that's a key one because sometimes doubt will hit us in our head. And folks think, well, but if I'm thinking about it, then it's probably already inside me. I've lost all my faith. Man, I was doing so good, and now I'm doubting in my head. Just because you doubt something in your head doesn't mean you have to verbalize it and get down in your spirit. Sometimes we just need to hush up. But, Pastor, people call me, and I've got to tell them what's going on. And so I've had to rehearse this 50 times. I've got lots of friends, Pastor, and they all want to call, How are you doing today? Bless your little heart. Oh, you poor thing. You know, every once in a while, it sort of feels good to have somebody want to baby you. Oh, my God love me. Oh, doesn't that feel good? Now stop it. You need somebody to say, Hallelujah, I'm standing with you. I know. Doesn't it ever get easier? You're alive. That's the easy part. Hallelujah. If you were dead, that might be a little bit of a challenge, but it still happens. God does raise people from the dead. The good news is, because you've been given life and power and authority inside you, sometimes you just need to say to people, well, how are you today? Are you any better today? Well, I'm healed in the name of Jesus. I'm thanking God for manifesting his glory in my body. Yeah, 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 I know that, but how do you feel? Well... Do they really mean that? They want you to check how you feel? Well, I'm a little tender here. I can grab a little bit. My goodness. And for you ladies, you know, you've got all that underneath your arm here, you grandmas. And you wave like that, and man, it's all shaking and going all over. How do you feel that? Well, it's sort of hanging loose. Oh, we men have that same thing too, right? That's grandpa fat right there. That's so you can grab onto your grandchildren and make it so that they never can leave because you've got them surrounded and suffocating right in there. Speak what you believe. Believe what you say, and you will have what you say. You've got to believe what you say. Now, why is that important? Because faith is what you really believe. This is why sometimes we do a series from time to time about who we are in Christ, See, I need to know that I'm not just an old sinner saved by grace. I was a sinner, and I have been saved by grace. But now God says, I'm a child of the king. Now the word says, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But remember, the apostle Paul said, when it comes to sinners, I am chief. He was letting us know that he was not a perfect man in the natural. But he didn't go around telling everybody, I'm worthless. He began speaking truth, and the more he spoke the truth, you knew that he believed it. See, I want to encourage you to not just use the cliches off the bumper stickers or the window sun catchers. Those things are nice and many times are very encouraging, but sometimes we just hook on to something, whether it's biblical or not, because it sounds sort of Christian. Cleanliness is next to godliness. It's not in the Bible, but you get that quoted to you from your mother when you're a child. Go in the bathroom, wash behind you. Did you wash your ears? When we were kids, we played outside in the summertime. A lot of times we never wore shoes. We didn't have flip flops or sandals on. It was summer. You played. Your feet were filthy. When you came in that night, your mother would say, You're not walking on the carpet till you go in the bathroom and wash your feet. That was just part of the process. I don't know. Maybe you didn't do that in the summer. We did. See, this says, Speak what you believe. Now, believe what you say. Don't just speak words. And, you know, the first few times you do it, you're going to have to be convincing yourself. Because sometimes doubt is already up here. Unbelief is up here. Now, I need to speak it so that I believe what the Word says. Sometimes when people get born again, they have an experience. They go to the altar. They are in a service. They hear about salvation. And then they go home and they start to doubt it. How could that really happen? How could God forgive me? You know what I did, God? And they start doubting their salvation. If you're saved, you're saved. That doubt is from the devil. That doubt is from the devil trying to see if he can get you to grab onto that seed. (laughs) Wait a minute. How could you be saved? Remember what you did. Remember those thoughts you have. Remember how you talk. Remember what you do. Remember this. Remember this. The devil can only remind you of your past. He doesn't know about your future he's a liar and a thief. God holds the plans and preparations for your future. He is the one who works in every one of us. So verse 24 again here says, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Lord, I'm thanking you that I'm healed in Jesus' name. Yeah, but I don't feel healed. That's all right. Whether you feel it or not, you are healed. That's the promise of God's word for us. So then we let that get down inside of us. And the more we speak it, the more we believe it. And then when we get convinced, it's no longer just hope that it's going to happen, but that we know, that we know, that we know. That, that's really important when it comes to healing, when it comes to God's prosperity and provision, when it comes to salvation, when it comes to receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Everything happens by faith. We have a God who spoke what he believed and it created what we have. Now, we don't need to create a new universe, but we do need to make sure that our world that each of us live in is under the direction of the Holy Spirit. Your confession really will reflect reflect what you believe. What do you believe about yourself? Have you forgiven yourself? You know, sometimes people can forgive others, but they can't forgive themselves. I know what I did, Pastor, and I'd be embarrassed if it would ever come out. If somebody ever knew about my past, they would never want to hang out with me. If the blood of Jesus cannot forgive you and cover you completely, I'm not talking about still playing with the sin. I mean you've repented, you've moved on, you're not there. You are forgiven under the presence and the power of God's Word. If you're forgiven, then start living like that. Well, what if somebody brings up something? Hmm. Now, if people know you from a long time ago, that may be the only thing they remember. Years back, I went to a class reunion, and one of the boys when, uh, who would sit out on the wall outside of North Campus, when the buses were coming in, he was always out there smoking on the wall. He would hang out with all the burnouts. I don't know if anybody uses that term anymore, but back then, it was the kids that were always in trouble. They were always out on the wall. The bell would ring, and they were running into school, you know, throwing out their cigarette before they came in. This kid was always in trouble. Always, always, always. He was in a lot of my classes, though. I knew him. His first name was Craig. So we went to a class reunion. Now, Craig always had, he was a white guy, but he had an afro, And it was one of these that was poofed out to here all the time. This is the 70s, okay? He had a big head of hair. When he'd run, everything would go boom, 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 you know. He had this curly, curly afro. So class reunion comes, and most of the guys have my hair cut. And, and Craig comes in, and he's got hardly any hair left. It's all back. He's got a little bit of moose in it so that the part that is there sort of helps stick up, and he's walking around the table to everybody, and this is what he does at each table. Hi, guys. Do you remember me? I'm Craig, and he said his last name, and he said, I got saved. He said, I'm not the guy I was in school. So if you remember who that was, that's not me anymore. And I go to church. I drive the Sunday school bus. I clean the church. I cut the grass. And I love God. (laughs) And he walked around to every table saying that. Every table. He came over to me. And as he stood there, he said, guess what? I'm one of you. He said, I'm sorry for all the times I gave you a hard time and things when we were in school, but now I'm one of you. Man, I stood up and hugged on him, you know. And his confession, you see, because everybody remembered him as the burnout. Because there were kids that came in that were at the class reunion that had never changed a day in their life. There were girls that had been married four times, and they were sitting around, and you knew, and you were watching, oh, oh, they're looking for number five. Sit closer to me, Tanya. But you see, they had never had a good relationship all through high school. See, they needed Jesus. They just needed Jesus. So Craig's words were transforming. Everybody who went home from that class reunion, can you believe that, Craig? Wow! And for everybody that was saved and the others, it was encouragement to the others that in our class had been born again. So here comes all these other people. I'm a Christian! Wow! That message was going out. I know, sometimes people don't want to go to class reunions, and it can be nothing but somebody who's just having a beer fest or this type of thing. But you need to go. Even if you end up having to leave because it gets out of hand or something like that, you need to go and give a testimony and say, hey, I'm a believer. Hallelujah. God healed me. The Lord did this for me. I'm giving him the glory. I've been on a missions trip. I've done this. I've done that. Just go and spread the word because what you used to be and who you was, got your attention on that? Who you was is not who you is. You are a new creation in Christ. Hallelujah. All right, let's keep that in mind. Let's, uh, we're going to come back there in a moment, but ooh, we're running out of time. James chapter 5. Let's go to the end, toward the end of your Bibles, to the book of James, back by Hebrews before 1 Peter. James chapter 5, and let's take a look at verse 14 and 15. James chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. As he's speaking out here, he says, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. See, sometimes people think, well, I got saved, but look what I just did. How could God ever forgive me? The good news is when you go to him, he says, you're forgiven. Well, do I have to go to him? I mean, if I commit new sins, am I already forgiven? Well, he's covered it all under the blood. But it's good for you to repent because it cleanses your mind. You don't need to think you're getting away with something. You've been honest before the Lord and said, Lord, I repent. He says, you're forgiven. Hallelujah. Why? Because you were forgiven at the cross. That revelation starts to kick into you, not because you know you can get away with something. Okay, now I know I'm forgiven. I know I'm born again, but I really want to do this. And when I get done, I can hurry and ask for forgiveness. Think about all the effort you're putting in to plan how you can sin and get forgiven. Now, that's a little premeditated, isn't it? Okay, but what if the rapture happens before that? If I commit that sin and I knowingly committed it, will I go to heaven or will I go to hell? Is it worth it? I'm not even going to grace that comment for a moment here. Because if you're a child of God, you're a child of God. If the rapture happens, you will go to be with the Lord. If you've not denied him as your Savior and Lord, you're still his child. But why is this important? If he's committed sins, he will be forgiven. Hallelujah. God is in the forgiveness business. So when you get around people that think they've gone too far, they can't be forgiven. If they want to repent, they can repent. They can be forgiven. So verse 15 says it this way, It uses the term even, the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. The elders of the church. Sometimes that is a title that's given to people who are in spiritual authority in the church. Other times it just means folks that have been believers that have strong faith and they've loved God for a long time and they are a spiritual elder. Sometimes different churches within a community, their pastors can be spiritual elders because they have been there for a long time and prayed and stood and believed for God. It's one of those things that happens because you have been faithful before the Lord. Now, it's not something that makes you stand up and say, I am more spiritual. If that ever happens, that you get in a place of spiritual authority, humbly walk before the Lord. Remember, it's never about us. It's about the Lord. It's about Jesus. Then it says, pray the prayer of faith and anointing with oil in the name of Jesus. The oil itself is not going to heal you, but it represents the Holy Spirit, the freshness of God. And it reminds us that we do everything in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah for Jesus. Hallelujah for the King of kings and Lord of lords. Hallelujah, the prayer of faith will save the sick. And if you believe this... You will receive. When doubt starts to hit you, you start to even say things like that. I don't receive that in the name of Jesus. Now, you know what? You might insult somebody at some point. They're speaking all kinds of junk over you, telling you what's not going to happen, and that God probably did this to you to teach you a lesson. You know what? You don't have to get ugly with them, but you can look at them and say, I don't receive that. What do you mean you don't receive it? I don't receive that. That's not what I'm believing for. I'm believing God for blank. Whatever it is there, you stand upon the promises of God. Doubts will hit your head, but you can even speak to yourself. Now, because don't you talk to yourself? I do. And if you don't admit it, well, you do. You sit at intersections that the light won't turn, and you just go, come on, come on. Come on. I know. I've been behind you. I've watched your lips. I've seen some people say things that their lips shouldn't be saying. (laughs) Ah, the speed limit's 45. Why are you going 30? You drive by them and they're looking at you like this. And then you both get to the next stoplight at the same time. You speak to your lawnmower. Come on, come on, baby. Start. People speak to stuff all the time. Why can't you speak to yourself? Doubt starts to hit you and you go, come on, we're we're not going to go there. I don't believe that. I believe the word of God. If the Lord can save me, God can do everything else in my life. I trust in the Lord. Hallelujah. I trust in him. All right. Keep all that in mind. And uh, we're going to stop there just for a moment and jump back to Mark 11. Mark chapter 11, and let's look down at verse 25 and 26. Jesus is still talking here in Mark 11 and verse 25 and 26. He's just talked about the prayer of faith, believing that you receive them and you'll have them. Now verse 25, and whenever you stand praying, if, now it's important when you see an if to know there's something conditional here. If you have anything against anyone Forgive him that your father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your father in heaven forgive your trespasses. See, this is talking about a heart condition. Well, you don't know what they did to me. I can forgive, but I'm not going to forget. Well, did you really forgive Oh, I I know it's hard sometimes, especially when somebody did you wrong. And it hurt you. There's emotional pain. There's things that you've gone through. And you think, can I ever trust anybody again? Well, you can trust the Lord. I know. We let each other down. We're people. Sometimes at our best effort, we're doing our best, and something comes up. And there's nothing we can do. And we don't know how to tell people we can't follow through. It's really weird. Uh, uh, A phone message was sent to me on Sunday night. Now, I've never had this happen with my phone. I didn't get it. It didn't ding on my phone until Tuesday. I felt awful. When I listened to the message, I thought, oh, my goodness. These people are going to think I don't care because it's Tuesday. Why didn't I call back? Why didn't I find? And I was upset because that never happened to my phone. I've had other people say, you know, they got messages or a text later and and was much a day or two later after something had been sent to them. I felt awful. I didn't avoid them. In fact, when I called and apologized that I hadn't got it, you know, it was one of those moments that my wife and I were both in the car. I had to run in, and, and why I come back out, and the phone had dinged, and here's this message. Oh, it's very important to know that you and I have to have a heart condition that's right. Don't let your anger or unforgiveness to somebody keep you in bondage from God. Let it go. Put it in God's hands. Yeah, but I want to teach them a lesson. You know what? Let God teach them a lesson. You and I can't teach them enough of a lesson. I know, but they hurt me and I want to hurt them back. I want to get even let it go and give it over to God. When you do that, you open yourself up. I've seen people that had so much unforgiveness inside them that when sickness attacked them, they just embraced it. I know that's going to sound really weird. What do you mean they embraced it? They were so bitter in their life one person in particular. If anybody ever did anything wrong or they thought they did, or even in their family, man, there was so much strife in their family, it was awful. And this person was in the hospital. And, and when I went to see him and I walked in there, the Lord gave me a word and said, The reason that they're still sick is because they have all this unforgiveness. Talk to them about it. I said, Okay. So I walked in, listened to everything that was going on, and I said, You know what? Before I came in here, God gave me a word you got a lot of unforgiveness inside you, don't you? And they began to cry and say, yes. I said, you need to get that out of you. I said, you need to turn that over to God. Yes, I want to get it out. I want to let it go. I know what you're telling me is true. Okay, so I prayed over it with them. By the time I left the hospital and got back here to the office, their spouse called me on the phone and they said, how could you attack my spouse? They were in the hospital bed sick, and they said, you came in and told them everything wrong with their life, and you hurt their feelings, and we don't ever want to get to know you or be around you or anything else. Stay away from us. You see, they wanted to respond because they knew the word that they heard was right. But the moment I walked the door, I'm sure the devil just started speaking to them, you know what, it's not so bad. Those people need to be unforgiven. They wouldn't let it go. That person stayed in the hospital sick and still has problems like that. The husband, oh, I shouldn't have said that part. The spouse later on as years gone by told me, they said, we know what you were saying was true. Just couldn't deal with it. Don't let unforgiveness hold you back. Don't let unforgiveness hold you back. I know it's a challenge, But let it go give it to God so that every time it comes up in your brain you go. Okay, God I give it to you I give it to you. I give it to you He'll take care of it Let's go ahead and uh, honey if you'd come on up Unforgiveness is a sin and we have to deal with it We've got to know that God wants us to be healed and whole And sometimes when death comes it can be very painful because people have been believing, and yet there's a certain amount of time that each of us are gonna have here on this earth. We all want to live forever. You know, especially when we love the people that are around us. We don't ever want to see anything happen to them, and yet sometimes death happens. The good news is, as a believer, even if death happens, you are caught up to be with the Lord forever, and in the future we will all spend eternity together. Well then what's the what's the sense in believing in faith if we're all gonna die anyway? Well, the power of God is waiting for each of us to believe for so that when we trust in God, maybe you're supposed to live a lot longer. And this attack is trying to shorten your life. You've got to trust in God to see that life be extended to the amount that it's supposed to be here. Hallelujah. Maybe you're supposed to live to be 120. Praise the Lord. But you know what? If that's your heart's attitude, then you need to be friendly to people. Well, all my friends have died. I'm bored. I don't know anybody new. I don't like anybody. I wish I could die and go be with all my friends. I've heard people say that. You know what? You need to make friends all the time. Well, I don't want to be. Why would young people want to be around me? Well, you know what? Be fun. Don't be crotchety. Don't be ugly. Uh, praise God. Before you know it, you're going to have young people want to be your friends. You're going to look and say, oh, I don't have a grandpa. Would you be my grandpa? Sure. You don't have to be blood to be family to somebody. You love on them. You share your life with them. And the power of God flows. Let's stand up together tonight. If you've been dealing with mental anxiety, if you've been dealing with issues that are holding you back, tonight we're going to pray. And ask God to do a work inside of you. He'll touch you. He'll heal you. He'll make you whole. If you're dealing with some kind of physical ailment, God is here to touch you. I just want you to know, if you need to come down to the altar, you can come down here. We'll be happy to lay hands on you and pray for you. But I want you to know, too, as we pray here this evening, you can pray and lay hands on your own body tonight. And as we pray, as you believe, God will touch you and work in your life. So if you need prayer, come on up here real quick, and we'll be happy to lay hands on you. But otherwise, you can be right where you are. You know if the Lord's telling you to come down here. Sometimes we just need to have a touch from God. Other times it's a stance of faith, and God moves. So if you need something, you come on down. And while you're praying and seeking him, before we do anything else with prayer, let's sing this little chorus together. Will you join in? Jesus.